while we rearrange some furniture. So, you got your banjo? We do dueling banjos. <laughs> All right. Good morning, y'all. We had so many people here at first service, I didn't think there'd be anybody here, but look at y'all. It's awesome. Happy Father's Day. If you did, if you're a father or you want to be a father, there's a, a special spread back here in the cafe just for you all. Um, so no sneaking women. I know the temptation is strong because I've seen the Mother's Day display and, and I just can't go in the cafe. I just got to stay away. I told, uh, I took pictures of the Mother's Day spread though and I sent them to Jenny and I said now I expect to that we get a loaded spread like that so what does she do she goes out of town (laughs) but we got biscuits back there we got some sweet tea and we've got a gift for you even when you leave today so happy Father's Day Um, we're grateful for all the godly fathers in our lives Um, so a couple quick announcements we decided that we'd do the announcements since we're up here anyway and uh, you can just have too many people on the stage you know we don't want y'all to get tired of us um but anyway eugene could you come up here i got some jokes and i need somebody to do the symbols you know no all right anyway let's get let's get on with the announcements real quick um we had planned our very first block party was going to be at northway apartments and what the block party is is just where the church gives shows jesus's love to a residential area and but that one unfortunately got stormed out and uh, so we postponed it, and we're going to make it up this coming Saturday. The weather's looking pretty good, actually. It won't be uh, steaming hot, and we shouldn't have storms. But uh, if you'd like to help with that, there you can go to mycornerstone.fyi or .org and find out uh, how to sign up for that. The folks of you that have already signed up to help, you will be getting texts and emails or, or both from me this week just with the details um, I'm actually going to be out of town for my dad's memorial service, but we've got it all covered. Um, we've got plenty of people to uh, make sure that the that uh, things get there. We're going to have um, nine square and food, hot dogs, free hot dogs, and and uh, let's see what else, snow cones, and there's just a lot of games and crafts. And we just, like I said, we just love on our, our neighbors. And uh, so we invite you to be part of that as well. As far as the Quarterstone Student Ministries, there won't be one tonight so that the teens can spend time with their fathers. So anyway, um, and then last but not least, I didn't mention where this was. I'm real excited about this and I got so excited I forgot to say where it is. But we're going to have a, a river baptism again at Cornerstone and it's going to be at Camp Dickinson August 14th. So if you've ever wanted to be baptized in the river, now's the time. Just let me know, let Pastor Mike know or one of the elders and we'll get you scheduled in and we'll go over the, the details with you at that time so if you've always wanted to uh, be baptized in the river it'd be a a great time to do that Um, as a matter of fact um, even if you've already been baptized you saw Mike and Jenny if if well maybe you didn't see it but anyway Mike and Jenny got baptized in uh, Jordan River and uh, they had both obviously been baptized before but it was just a special time and uh, when I announced this morning that we were going to have a river baptism I'm afraid that some people might have thought that's where we were going (laughs) because <laughs> I didn't say that it was Camp Dickinson, but uh, will you just spread the word that we're not going to the River Jordan? I'm sorry. I apologize. It's my fault, but maybe next time. But anyway, yeah, we hope you come out to the baptism and the picnic. And uh, with that said, I want to explain what we're doing up here. Um, we really aren't going to play banjos. Um, but uh, you may or may not have been aware that Cornerstone has just recently 
had a few of our elders roll off, we force a sabbatical on our elders after three to six years, they have to take a year off. So in that process, we brought three new elders on board. And one of the big differences between our elders and our administrative team is that the elders are expected and, and they need to be gifted to be teachers and, and you know, pastors, teachers. And uh, so we don't want to just dump them up on the stage, though, um, like we did with Austin. We, we, we hope to help them prepare and learn, especially if they've never taught in a life group or a, a service. And uh, so what we did, we did something different this time. We, we knew that Mike was going to be off months ago. And uh, so we all got together and had a little sit down and we came up with, well, where's this going to fit in our sermon series? And it's, it's actually going to fit with David as king. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And so if you want to open your Bibles, you can already start there. It's the second Samuel chapter six. We're going to camp out there most of the morning. Um, but yeah, no, no, we don't want them to sleep. They can sleep when Mike's back. I'm sorry, Mike. I think Mike is trying to get on a plane, but uh, they're delayed, so he's probably watching me, so I'm in trouble. But anyway, moving on. So what we did, we got together, and Mike and I kind of kicked it off, but we had contributions from all the elders on this message. And I'm not sure that we've ever done that before. We've had a, a couple of co-messages before, but no, never one where every elder in the church contributed to the message. And we took all the notes that we compiled them together and Austin and I are gonna bring that message to you this morning. So I just wanted to kind of explain um, what we were doing. We thought about bringing the other elders up here, but they, they didn't really go for it. They wanted to just let me and Austin do it. So here we are. So that's the announcements and that's explaining what we're doing. And Austin's gonna introduce this uh, message today and then we're gonna just jump right in. Yeah, so um, as Larry said, we are in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to be there uh, pretty much the whole time. We're going to be looking through the whole story. Uh, but I want to give you um, a little background information kind of before we go uh, into that scripture there. And so this is, uh, and this is our series on David, um, kind of looking at the life of David, um, his story, um, and how God used him in, in Israel's history. So we've seen, uh, we've kind of our topics have been David as a warrior, David as a shepherd, David as a friend and David as a fugitive. Um, so that's been kind of our, our, um, the way we've gone there. And so today, of course, is David as king, right? Uh, so this, is, this story kind of covers um, one of David's first acts um, as king, one of, um, kind of one, of, one of his early acts, and that's bringing the ark into Jerusalem. Um, and so kind of before we get into that story, I'm uh, just going to give you a little bit of background information on the ark and a little bit of the history kind of surrounding all that. So first, what is the ark? Uh, so the ark essentially uh, is a box. That's what the word ark means. Think about Noah's ark. Uh, I think it literally translates as box. So this box uh, was a very special box. Um, it was made out of acacia wood, plated in gold, uh, a little over three feet long, about two feet um, tall and two feet wide. And uh, it had four rings, one on each corner, and poles were inserted through the rings, the poles as well, made of acacia wood, uh, gold-plated, um, gold and that's how they carried it. They would uh, put the poles to the rings, carried on their, I guess on their shoulders. I never actually, I don't know if it says that. Um, I got a picture somewhere. Let me find yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> you got a picture of them carrying it? <laughs> digital. Often um, digital. So, yeah, they, they carried it. And that's, that's important to remember. Remember, they, were, they carried it on poles. That's kind of important for our story today. Um, inside this box, the ark, there was uh, Aaron's staff. Aaron's Moses' brother. The staff budded as, as kind of uh, a sign of his leadership. Um, 
a jar of manna. The manna was the bread from heaven that God gave them when they were in the, in the wilderness. And then uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, so all those things you see being put in there or presented uh, in front of or near the ark um, at some point in the Old Testament. Uh, Hebrews actually contains the, a list of those three things in a nice, concise place. Um, so yeah, that's the, the box. That's kind of what it looks like, what's inside of it. On the top was the, the, what's called the mercy seat. It's essentially the lid of this ark. And uh, there are two um, golden cherubim with their wings. The wings kind of facing forward like this. And in the middle there was what they call the mercy seat where God um, essentially met with Moses. So this box is not God. Um, they didn't build the box to worship it in place of God, and God was not, like, inside the box or anything. It was more like um, kind of a symbol of God's presence among his people. Uh, when I think of that phrase, I think of Jesus. So this box, this ark, is kind of like a foreshadowing of, of Jesus, of God's presence, of God being with his people, right? Um, kind of the meeting place, like I said, foreshadowing Christ. Um, as far as symbols go, I think also of, like, baptism, Marriage and the Lord's Supper, those are symbols that we kind of have nowadays. So baptism being kind of symbolic of um, being dead and raised up with Christ. Marriage being a picture of Christ in the church. And the Lord's Supper, of course, being a symbol of um, uh, Jesus' body that was broken and, and blood poured out for our sins, right? So very similar kind of to these things. Um, right, whereas we're kind of looking back at Jesus, this is kind of pointing forward to Jesus, uh, so that's kind of what the ark is, its significance. It was there in the tabernacle um, where they did the sacrifices and everything. Um, so the ark has been all over the place. It comes up, you first see it in Exodus 25. That's where Moses is given instructions on building the ark as well as the tabernacle. And then they carried around the wilderness for 40 years. Um, after uh, Moses' death, whenever Joshua kind of takes over as the leadership, they carried across the Jordan River. Uh, they carry, it's at the Battle of Jericho where they carry it around the city walls seven times and they fall down. Um, during the time of the judges, it ends up in a place called Bethel for a little while. And then uh, when we're getting closer to where our story begins today, um, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, you see it. It's in a, a place called Shiloh. Um, sometime after this, it's captured by the Philistines in a battle. Um, they put it in one of their temples. And uh, actually, the, the idol in the temple falls over. The next day they come in, it, it falls over on the ground, humiliated in front of the ark. Um, all these plagues start popping up in the, in the Philistine territory, and uh, so they, they, they get rid of it. They say, we're better off without this thing. They put it on a cart, send it back to uh, the Israelites, and uh, it ends up at the house of Abinadab um, for 20 years, and that's kind of where our story begins with this ark. So um, Israel is in this place of kind of relative stu stability and peace. Um, the, the Philistines have been defeated in the, in the previous chapter, chapter 5 of 2 Samuel. Um, David has officially taken over the throne. Saul died in battle, um, so there's not this like infighting going on. Um, and they're all united, all the tribes of Israel are united under David um, at this time. So that's kind of where our story begins. It's at the how the ark is at the house of Abinadab. And uh, so I'll just start reading to you from um, 2 Samuel. This is chapter 6. This is verses 1 through 5. So David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala and Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark on a sorry, new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. 
David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. Okay, so if we have no, if we don't really have any understanding of the ark, um, this all looks pretty okay, right? Um, you know, they put it on a cart, and they it was take, a new cart. It was a new cart, and I think it w- it's it wasn't grandpa's cart. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't the old cart from the farmer down the road. It wasn't your grandpa's cart, you know. Um, it hadn't hauled cows or anything in the past. I mean, this is a new cart. They potentially made it for this. Uh, I'm just reading into it there. I don't know, but it's possible they made it for this endeavor. Um, so it's a new cart, right? Um, also, you know, there's, there's the amount of people showed up. that says there's 30,000 men. That kind of illustrates the gravity of the situation. It wasn't like David just got five of his buddies. Um, hey, come help me move this thing, and I'll feed you beer and pizza. Um, it was just, it was like a real, um, it was a big deal, right? Um, and, and you see David's motive, I think his motive here is uh, to, to kind of emphasize like God's presence, um, his glory, the glory of God in Israel, right? And I think maybe David um, understands the need for this, thinking about all the stuff he's been through with battling Goliath, um, on the run from Saul, um, Numerous battles and things. So I, I think that this is something that I think his motivations and his intentions here um, are in the right place, right? Um, we also see their zeal for worship as they're going before the ark. Um, there's just all these people singing, uh, dancing, all these different instruments and things. And, and that, again, is a proper response, I think, to the presence of God, um, going before it with um, a certain amount of passion and love for God. Um, so I don't think any of that is necessarily, um, quote-unquote, bad. Um, even, even thinking about, like, the way that they're worshiping reminds me of, of how people respond to Jesus in the New Testament. Um, the one, some that came to my mind was uh, John, uh, John the Baptist when he's in the womb, um, in his mother's womb. Uh, Mary comes to visit, and John leaps for joy within her womb. I also think about in Luke, there's a story of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers. One of them comes back, and it says that he was praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, uh, giving him thanks. And uh, so I think that all this is a, is a good, like, proper response to the ark. Um, and like I said, at first glance, like, you know, what's, what's so bad about a cart, right? I know if, if I have something heavy to move, um, you know, I'm looking for a hand truck. I would have been uh, ratchet-strapping that joker down and uh, moving it around, um, probably not picking it up, you know. That's my, that's my natural instinct, and that seems pretty, you know, okay, right? Um, but the, the truth is that God gave them a way to do this, right? Um, he prescribed a certain way, and that was to carry it with the poles. Um, so they put it on this new cart, right? And, and I kind of think about, um, to, to think about this in my life or, or our lives, what kind of like new carts do we get caught up in? Like when we're doing, when we're serving, we're doing ministry or whatever that looks like. Um, are we, are we um, so focused on the new cart, on the event or something that we, that we forget about, like that God has said to do it this way? Do we say, does, does God say, hey, you know, I want you to do it this way? We say like, no, God, I have a better way, you know. Um, I got this cart, you see, and it's really good and it's new. And there's, um, you know, I never hauled any sheep in it or anything. It's, it's clean, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of think about that with this idea of the cart. Um, so, yeah, they, they essentially are, are in disobedience to God on this issue. So let's keep going in the story here, um, verses 6 through 9. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, 
Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger buzzed. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. That was a combination of burned and Uzzah, by the way. Uh, Burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? You know, I, I kind of relate to David there. It's just like, man, we're just we're trying to get you home, yeah. And you kill this guy, and he was just trying to keep, yeah, your box from hitting the ground. I mean, it seems harsh to me. It seems harsh, right? That's yeah. that's kind of. Um, I think this is kind of a difficult passage for that reason because the judgment seems harsh, right? Um, you might be right. I don't remember if the, I know they were definitely instructed to carry it with the poles, and I, I don't remember for sure if they said not to be removed, but definitely instructed not to, um, touch it, to touch it as well. Mm-hmm. There's a place here, uh, Numbers 415, um, this of course early on in the New Testament, they must not touch the holy things or they will die. So they, they, they have a place they can go back and look and say, you know, if we touch this thing, like we're going to die. That information was available, um. Whether they necessarily knew that and chose to do it some other way, like I said, like, you know, God, I know you said to do it this way, but I have a better way. Or whether they, maybe it was out of ignorance. Um, it doesn't really say. We don't really get that information. It's, it's, it's like the nat- natural laws. I mean, the law of gravity is the one that comes to my mind is if you violate that law without a backup plan, like i.e. wings or parachute, yeah. <laughs> you're going to hit hard, you know. And, and we don't always give the... The preeminence to God's mm-hmm. law, you know, we almost give that second place to to nature's laws and things like that. But the truth is, and it's it's revealed here, is that God's law is there for a reason, and He violated the law. Maybe He had, like you said, good intentions. Sure. But the bottom line is, He was not supposed to touch it. Why do you think He touched it? I think it was a natural reaction. Um, there, and this is the cart is going along the road, you know. Um, uh, he was fami- he was familiar, familiar with, with the ark. Uh, he, uh, it had been in his house household how long? Twenty uh, years. Yeah, twenty years. This was in his living room or mm-hmm. den or whatever. Living they somewhere, had yeah, there. conversation piece, right? So he was he was very definitely familiar, or comfortable, maybe too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe too the comfortable. Pre- They're going along and they hit a pothole and 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 very natural reaction to steady it, you know. And I think that that's why it seems like a, such a harsh judgment because I mean, if I was riding on the cart with this thing, I think I would have probably wouldn't have been my first reaction is to reach out and try to steady it. Um, so that kind of brings us to like our first point that I want to highlight here, and that is that God is holy. Uh, and sometimes I think that we kind of um, take that for granted. That was a, I think you said that in the first service. We take God's holiness for granted. Maybe that was, maybe it was something else. Anyway, oh, I must have said it. That's really good. <laughs> we, take, yeah, we take God's holiness for granted, or maybe we, we don't fully understand what that means. Uh, or maybe we don't fully understand what it means that we are sinful in light of God's holiness. But um, as we see here, uh, this situation is that even just like touching the ark is enough um, to condemn someone to death, right? Uh, so God is holy. And so um, kind of being around that, like even such a small thing requires um, as a, as a death, essentially. So uh, like you said, as a probably used to the ark. Um, maybe he also thought like, you know, in his trying to stay, maybe he thought the ground was less holy. Maybe he was trying to save it from, um, being unclean or something. Um, 
even thinking though like God made the ground and the, the ground has no ability to sin whereas you know if I reach out I, I am a sinful person uh, and so like again like I said my sin next to God's holiness is, is um, as we know deserving of death um, and maybe they just thought it didn't really matter maybe they knew this information and they were just like well you know maybe it just doesn't matter maybe we can just do it however we want it sounds to me a little bit like um, maybe I'm reading into it but David had good intentions. Mm -hmm. Obviously, say. that Jerusalem was where the ark needed to be, but then he kind of took it in his own hands. And, yeah, and yeah. starting with a cart, I mean, it just went downhill from there. Yeah, because David would have had to sign off on the yeah. <laughs> David would have signed off on the cart, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, the, he's the guy in charge. So, um, anyway, so yeah, it ends in this kind of very like sobering scene. If you imagine yourself there. You're just going along, uh, probably singing and dancing in front of the, the cart. You hit a pothole. Uh, next thing you know, Uz is laying on the ground dead. And uh, it probably, you know, everything probably comes to a, a quick standstill that, like, I mean, that's just a very sobering moment. And, uh, and David kind of responds with anger. Um, again, like we said, it seems like it's an unfair kind of harsh punishment because who else, you know, wouldn't have just kind of naturally reached out and maybe done this? It seems out of proportion, Right. Um, except, when, like I said, when we consider how holy God is and that we are um, sinful. So, uh, yeah, um, David is re responding kind of with anger at first. Um, and so it kind of makes me think that maybe, like, you know, his good intentions maybe aren't, like, quote-unquote enough. And, and uh, not to say that we earn God's favor or something, but that um, God does give us a way to do things for a reason, kind of no matter what our intentions are, right? Uh, it reminds me of a, a verse in 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, verse 22. Uh, this is where, this is involving Saul. Saul has just gotten back from a battle with a particular group of people, and he was supposed to um, take them all out, animals and everything. But he saved some animals to come back to sacrifice, and, and Samuel is there, and, and um, they're talking, and, and uh, Samuel says, um, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So um, there we see, like, you know, David possibly would have known about this. Um, he was probably fairly young at the time. This is something early on in Saul's career as a king. Um, and so, um, yeah, we see, I guess there we see, like, highlight the importance of obeying, uh, of, of our obedience kind of matching our intentions, right? Um, um, well, I mean, honestly, if... If you were, I see what Samuel's point is, is if you're obedient and you're following in the Lord's will, the sacrifice wouldn't have been necessary. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the law says in a nutshell, mm -hmm. is if you do all these things, you'll be blessed, mm -hmm. right? If, if we're following the Old Testament law, we have to follow all of them, and uh, then you don't need to sacrifice. Yeah. The sacrifices are to cover the sin. Cover the sins. Especially the blood sacrifice. So, one more thing I want to point out before I... Uh, Turn it back over to Larry here on the third, with the third point, um, or with the second point, sorry. Uh, it's kind of also David as like, along with the anger, that we also see a, a response of fear. Um, this is something that personally I, I think really spoke to me in doing kind of researching this passage and, and reading it um, over and over. Uh, David asked this question, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? And uh, maybe it's a sobering reminder to David as his death. Um, maybe David is sort of reminded of his own sin. Uh, maybe it's a sort of like a who am I moment for David. Like who am I that the ark, who am I that I could stand near the ark 
um, if Uzzah was struck down just for touching it? Who am I in my sin to come close to the presence of God? Maybe he's, um, uh, it sort of reminds him of his own neglect of God's command with how to move the ark. Uh, or maybe he's sort of, um, con- sort of, uh, con- uh, what's the word? Um, con- not condemned, but uh, convicted, that's the word. Convicted about his like new cart, you know, um, him trying to do it his way rather than God's way. So that's one, that's one that I've been thinking about, like kind of like who am I that the ark could come to me? Who am I that Jesus um, would save me? And the truth is I'm no one, you know. This is an act of, of Jesus, of God um, for me. So, yeah, you want to take it away? Yeah, so um, Austin kind of ended up with basically, I think, where we would be as well, is here we're trying to do something for God that we feel like God wants, and it backfires on us. And uh, I remember uh, one time I had uh, something that I had prayed about and I felt like I was supposed to give to a person and they were not grateful at all. And I remember thinking, wow, that just kind of blew up in my face. I thought I was doing them a favor. And all they saw was the responsibilities of the gift, you know, that I was trying to give them. It's kind of like, you know, winning the lottery and then you think, now I got to pay taxes, you know. But uh, so anyway, we, we pick it up uh, in uh, verse 10 of chapter 6, and uh, it's talking about David. He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. And that, uh, that brings us to our next point, God is good. And, and how can I say that? Because he just wasted this guy for just touching and trying to steady the ark but I I tell you it's just like with us a lot of times that's the neat thing about the Old Testament there's so many good stories that you could just capture that are examples for us to follow and and this is a good example of God kind of redeeming the situation this the ark was never supposed to end up at Obed-Edom's house right that wasn't destination the destination was the city of David Jerusalem but when David refused to take it any further and they put it here, what happened? Well, that household was blessed. You know, I'm sure they didn't touch it. You know, this is like <laughs> hands off everybody. They showed the proper respect, whatever, but their household was blessed. And that reminds me of the scripture that, that I find a lot of comfort in. Um, we don't have it on the screen, but I'll just read it to you. It's from Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And to me, I, I think this scripture has been taken out of context, or at least people have said some things about it that aren't true. For one thing, it doesn't say that all things are good, does it? Nope. It says that God is able to make good out of a bad situation. And, and I've seen people who said, well, God had me, led me down this path of destruction so that I would be humiliated and humble and come to him. But the truth is that the, the Bible is pretty clear on that, that it's our lust and our sin that lead us to, to destruction. You know, one bears fruit and then another bears fruit and the ultimate end of that all is death. So let's not blame God for that. But just like this situation where David and his people messed up, God redeemed the situation. And Obed-Edom and his family they reaped the rewards. I mean, it was a good thing that this had happened and that they had it in their household. And that's what we want in our lives, right? I mean, I don't know how many times I've thought, I, I've just messed up too much, God. And he's like, no, 
the sacrifice that my son made is more than enough for your sin. Right? And that's, we have to remind ourselves of that every day. The sacrifice that he provided, that God provided for his law that was broken by every one of us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. His son's sacrifice was enough. Okay? And so God is able to, to bring good out of a bad situation. And so, again, our second point being God is good. Even though it doesn't always seem like it, we want to blame him for every bad thing that happens. We have to remember that we're in a broken world, and a lot of times we are our own worst enemies. Uh, to add to that, you kind of said that we, we should remind ourselves every day of, of essentially the grace of Jesus Christ. And something I say often, and I've probably said it up here before, is that um, I, need, I need Jesus just as much today as the day I was saved um, because I, I continually fall short. So that's something I, I always think about and, and uh, often, you know, f- don't do. You know, do I, do I, wake, do I always, um, you know, treat my wife with love the way that Christ loved the church? Not always. And so, um, yeah, like I said, I, I need Jesus just as much today as the day that I was saved. Um, we moving on? Next? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go. Uh, so I, I th- kind of getting into the next part here, uh, verses 12 through 19. Uh, This is kind of the beginning of the second attempt to bring the ark to Jerusalem. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of go ahead and give you the, the third point here. Uh, and that's that God's way is always better than man's way. So we see um, this second attempt, uh, attempt to move the ark. We have uh, their intentions are the same. Like, uh, like I said, David's intentions have always been good to bring the ark to Jerusalem, to bring it um, there to the city of David, to make sort of a, a centralized place of worship, to, um, to really emphasize the glory of God and the presence of God in Israel. Um, and so the intentions are there. They always have been. But now we see them... Um, doing it the way that God has wanted and, uh, and without the new cart, right? Um, the sacrifice, I think, at the start was... was that, yeah, yes. You want to talk about that? Well, uh, if you've done any study in the Old Testament, um, I think most of the information is in Leviticus. You'll find that Leviticus is a great read in case any of you have been intimidated by it. <laughs> Leviticus and Numbers both. I mean, they're right up there. But uh, one of the things about this particular sacrifice that David made is that it's a sin sacrifice. And I think that's, that's criti- of critical importance is that he's basically admitting, hey, we screwed up. We mm-hmm. messed up the first time around. So we're going to start this trip by apologizing, yeah. by asking God's forgiveness and, and by the, making the sacrifice. So um, I think it was a good, it's a good way to start yeah. any journey. Uh-huh. You know, really is to say, you know, God, I've tried to do this on my own and it's, it's not gone so well. Yeah, we messed up. So, yeah, so let's do it your way. Yeah, in First Chronicles chapter fifteen, I don't have, again. I don't have this scripture um, on the screen, but uh, it, first, it gives a, a kind of a more detailed version of this. It lists out like the names of all the people involved or, or people leading in a sense. Um, but it says that David um, essentially kind of says that David acknowledges that the first attempt was, attempt was a failure um, because of their own disobedience. Um, and I, I enjoyed that chapter reading it. Um, just because it does give names, it's easy to think, you know, 30,000 people there. It's easy to think of um, just like Israel as like a mass of like faceless, nameless people. But um, really we have lists of names, like all these people that um, had names. Even it says that so-and-so 
led the singing because he was good at it. And uh, so it's interesting that just that God gifts us in different ways. That's kind of a side note. Um, no extra charge. Yeah. No extra charge for that one. That one's on the house. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, they start off with taking these uh, six steps, you know, and they, and they sacrifice, do this atoning sacrifice that Larry said right away to, to essentially kind of atone for the sin, um, for the disobedience of the first one, right? Um, so yeah, we see, okay, so another section, or just kind of to, to the last thing I want to say about this section is we see, um, I, I think kind of an important thing about worship here is that worship doesn't have to be like a, uh, this like solemn rule following. Like I've talked a lot about obedience, um, but I don't want you to think that like, you know, you have to just like worship this certain way or something. Um, we see them with very, um, just like exuberant, joyful worship, right? They're going along, they're singing loud. Um, David's coming in, he's dancing, you know. Uh, they have all these different instruments and things. Um, so we, you know, while we remember that God is holy and sovereign and that's something, um, you know, like our sin in the presence of God is, is a, a very serious thing like we saw with Uzzah, um, we also remember that, you know, we can worship God in a very real, joyful way, right? Um, so let's kind of keep going with the story here. Verses 16 through 19, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Sorry. Um, there's page eight. <laughs> they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. Okay, so we see um, David coming in and his, his wife, Michael, who was Saul's daughter, uh, the former king, um, despising him. And, and Larry's going to kind of follow up with that a little bit more in a second. But I'm going to talk about this kind of second part here. Um, where they bring, they do these, these um, burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Um, so we see essentially that like this, they're kind of devotion to God through these burnt offerings. They're kind of saying, hey, you know, like we, we're bringing this ark in. This is the, the presence and glory of God in Israel. And we are uh, kind of committing to follow that, to obey that, right? Um, and then, of course, the, uh, the fellowship offering or the peace offering was something that was kind of a communal thing. Um, that's, that's why they send them home with these cakes of um, dates and raisins. Uh, with something that would have shared a meal. And so they do this all as an entire city, right? Um, we see a, this huge um, unity in this. So we see unity um, under this, like, uh, authority of God through bringing this ark into the town there. So ultimately, this whole thing is just kind of this huge um, blessing from God, right? Like, they've, they've kind of, to, to kind of reinstate our, our point here, is that God's way is better than man's way. So they've, they've recognized that they messed up, right? And um, they said, okay, God, like, how do you want me to do this? And so they do it that way, and, and God really blesses it. We have this um, really um, insane amount of unity there. We have God being glorified um, in Jerusalem there. It doesn't sound like a solemn occasion at all. It I mean, doesn't it sounds sound, like a, a festival or like a, party, a big man. party, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be there. Yeah, that's a good lesson for us all is that... Uh, God's good. God's fun. Mm -hmm. He even fed them. He yeah. even fed them. <laughs> so you want me to pick up? Uh, yeah, yeah. You can go ahead and pick up there. We're going to jump ahead to uh, verse 20 then. And uh, let's 
go back and, and read a little bit about Michael. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler of the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified to this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in high honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So what I see here, we just talked about this. This is a big festival. It was a good time. And what did Michael focus on? She focused on appearances and that David was doing something she didn't think he was the way he should. You never argue with your wife about how to do things. Do <laughs> never. <laughs> I mean, I can put myself right in this picture. You know, Got my, my wife's not here, so I'm good. But... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times I've done things that she didn't think I did them quite right. But I haven't danced naked in, in church, so, <laughs> or half naked. But I mean, she, yeah. I, I don't know how to go from there. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, second service is a little bit loosey-goosey. <laughs> but anyways, we're not going to have any of that here. Um, I mean, the point being that her focus was entirely wrong. I mean, she was focused on the outward appearances. She was focused on the way she felt about things. And she missed the, the big event. What was the big event here? Why are we talking about this? Why did we pick this story out of all the things that we could have talked about, about the life of David? Because they are celebrating God's presence there. And that brings us to our fourth point. And I'll, I'll clarify the fourth point. But the fourth point is David is a king, but God is the king. You know, David is established on the throne by now. But he says, hey, I am nothing. I am going to humble myself and celebrate that God is here with us. And this is the message for us today. Is that we don't have to be solemn and worry about appearances all the time. But we can celebrate the fact that God is with us. God is in us. You know, we, we, we are so much better off than the Israelites were because we don't have to make blood sacrifices when we mess up. Jesus already did that. And like I said before, it is enough. You know, this, this reminds me of the scripture that Jesus said to his disciples when he was talking about going away. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll pick it up in John, uh, John chapter 14. Jesus is talking and he said, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. See, he's our king of kings. He's our father. And that's why even if we didn't have the greatest earthly father, we've got a heavenly father that would die for us. And did. And he's here. That's why we can celebrate. We don't have to be solemn all the time. Certainly life is tough. I, I don't know. I'm over 60 years old and I don't recall a day in my life that was more difficult to be a Christian than right now. But God is with us. He is in us and he is able. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. That sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I worry about things. And I have learned just to say, hey, you know what, God? You got this. I don't got this. I don't know what I'm doing. When David tried to do it and say, I got this, Lord. We know how to get you into our presence. It backfired. 
But God's got this, and he's already made a way. And if we don't have that, we, we haven't experienced his presence inside of us, he's made a way. And we'll tell you about that here in a minute. But I, wa- I want to just emphasize this, that the story is only important if we learn, you know, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they're truth. We're not just up here to teach you a great little story like David and Goliath and, and David and the sheep and the lions and David here with the ark. We're not just here to teach you stories, but it's all about the fact that God is a living God. And those words come off the paper and they're inside of us. He wants us to let his word dwell in us so that we can respond appropriately and we can be led and we can do things God's way. Got anything to add to that? Yeah, just um, real quick, I want, I, I've talked, and I, I kind of didn't know how to say it first service, but I kind of thought about it. Um, we've talked a lot about obedience, and I, I don't want to, I just want to kind of say, I don't want us to confuse obedience with legalism. Um, it's not an earning. When we're obeying God, it's not a, a matter of obeying in order to um, receive his uh, grace or, or to be accepted by him. Rather, obedience is, is a reaction. So um, because God loves us and cares for us and died for our sins, um, we kind of obey out of a reaction to that, a submission to that. So um, I just don't want us to like leave with a burden, feeling like, okay, I have to obey what God said, and, and am I doing it wrong? And, and I don't want you to do that. Uh, I, don't, I don't want you guys to be burdened going out of here. Yeah, there's a, there's a New Testament scripture that said it's God uh, in us is both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that really just, I mean, it's kind of old English, but what it means is that he's given us the desire and the ability to mm-hmm. do what he wants us to do. Yeah. And so we don't have to, um, we don't have to try to be better, to try to do better. Exactly. You know. So anyway, you want to close us out in prayer? Yeah, yeah, I'll close this up. The worship prayer. team can come on up. God, I just thank you so much for this day and this time um, that we can come here to church and worship you. Um, you are the king of the universe, God. You are our Lord, and I'm just so thankful for that. I'm thankful that we don't have to earn that, but that um, through the blood of Christ that we are, we're made right with you, and, and I thank for God that um, through that, God, that you um, do draw us into like a submission to you. You do enable us to obey you because we do know that your ways um, are better than our ways. I know in my life I've seen it so many times I do something my way and, uh, and mess up. And so I just thank you for that, God. I thank you for your grace. Um, I just pray, God, um, for the rest of the service as we worship here this last song, God, that you would just move us to um, worship you with joy for who you are, um, the Lord of our lives. Um, Yeah, thank you, God. Thank you for all the fathers. Thank you that you are our Father, um, that you are a good Father. Um, We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.